morning. Good to see everybody here. I thank the Lord that, you know, we could be anywhere this morning. I don't know about you, but I could be in jail. I'm just making a statement. I know what I came from. I know where I came from. And according to that song, we got a reason to praise the Lord this morning. Amen. This morning, I've been I've been reading in the book. Oh, come on. I've been reading in the Old Testament. How many of you read, have been read, read a lot of First and Second Samuel? Anybody read a lot of First and Second Samuel? I'm gonna tell you what. You can get a lot out of First and Second Samuel, but mostly I've been reading in Second Samuel, and I guess that's where this morning that I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to this word. I want to ask you first, I want to start by asking you first this morning, have you received your invitation to the table? Thank you. Have you received your invitation to the table. Today we're going to be in examining from the Old Testament. I found this obscure character. You may know him. You may not. Anybody know who Mephibosheth is? Most of us here... A lot of us, a few of us, some don't, some do. This morning we're going to talk about a young man. Well, he's not a young man anymore. <laughs> we're going to talk about a young man named Mephibosheth. He was the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, King Saul. You know who I'm talking about now, right? You know who King King Saul was the people's choice. And while in in while King Saul, while he was the king, he was the first king, and I made the statement that he was the people's choice. Samuel anoints, Samuel is a prophet of God. He anoints David as probably just a young child probably not much more than about 15 years old, Samuel anoints him as king of Israel, and he's God's choice. Now, I could probably, I could probably go right down a different road with that message, but I want to try and stick with what, I've, what, I, what I feel like God is telling us this morning. So I'm sure everybody's heard of King David. He's the same David that killed Goliath. The same David that when he was a child, he killed 
uh, when he was a shepherd boy, he killed a lion and he killed a bear. Listen, you don't just you don't just fight. You don't just kill animals. You don't just kill a, a man. Doesn't just kill a bear in his own. Chances are, if I walked out in the woods and there's a bear, or if I'm guarding some sheep and a bear come to get the sheep, guess what? You can have the sheep. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm being a little facetious here, but the point is, is he didn't just do that. God was all over his life. The Bible says when Samuel anointed him with the oil, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in a mighty way. I, that, that, I pray, that's my prayer when I, when I pray, Lord, you know, I want, I, I want everything I do, I want my life, I want to operate in your presence. Because listen, what people, people talk, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to just get down here on your level because this is where I stand on your level. People talk trash. And I'm going to tell you one day, okay, and you can take this for what it's worth, but one day we will all stand before God for what we say. You might wink at it, and you might say, hmm, they're just human beings. We are. We operate, we live, this body is flesh. When you get saved, your spirit gets saved, your flesh don't. Your flesh still desires the flesh. And without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives, you're going to fall to the flesh. You're going to live according to the flesh. We have got to ask God. We got to pray and seek God. Listen, first and foremost, you got to put your faith in Him. You got to ask Him, Lord, Father, I know I'm a sinner because we all there, right? I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's where we're going this morning. Have you received this morning your invitation to the table? I love that song we just got through singing. It's awesome. Because it gives you a picture. Y'all have to bear with me. My mouth will get dry. It is a picture. Of what God has done for. That's what. When, when we started singing it. And I started looking at this message. I'm going, God, you're speaking to me this morning. Because he gave it all. He put it, he put it all on the line for me. He said, all you got to do is receive it. All you got to do is reach out and take hold of it. And listen... Y'all ever, most everybody here works, right? We all, we all work. You put money in a profit sharing, getting ready to retire, right? Well, I'm telling you what, this, this, this Christian life is the same way. 
Because I'm telling you, you won't never retire. But listen, you're making deposits in a 401. But listen to me. The reward that you're going to receive when Jesus calls us home is going to be far beyond anything that you can think of. The, the, the reward for what we will receive cannot, you, you can't even, we can't even comprehend how we are going to live with Christ. And this life, this time on earth is just a, listen, it is just a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. How anybody can, how anybody can think that we're, we're just here and, and it's going to be done, it's going to be over, I don't understand. Listen. She should have showed me how to set this thing up. Y'all got to bear with me just a second. I can do this. I know it. God can do this. Because I'm going to tell you, it's not what I'm going to do this morning. It's not what I'm going to say. It's what God is going to speak to your heart. Because I'm just a man. I can do nothing for you. But the one that can is in this place. I'm telling you. Anyway, let me get back to my notes. Saul, uh, David, David was anointed to be king while he was just a boy. Saul was still the king, and you can, you can guess it. This did not sit well with Saul. He got very angry. He got very jealous. As a matter of fact, he brought him to the... He brought him to the to the palace, and he made him live there because he wanted to keep his eye on him. He knew, he, he, he felt in his heart that one day this young man right here was going to try to take the throne from him. And Jonathan, to, make the, to complicate matters, Jonathan and David become best friends. And to be honest with you, best friends does not even compare to the, their lives together. The Bible says they made a covenant together. Jonathan said, if I die before you, you're going to take care of my family. And if, if you die before me, I'm going to take care of your family. Listen, you can't even get that. You, nowadays, you might as well hang that kind of junk up. We'll send them to the nursing home. We'll send them off somewhere to some institute to let somebody else take care of them. Listen, your family is your responsibility. But for somebody to make a covenant with you, say, if something happens to you, I'm going to make sure your family gets taken care of. That is, that's a, look, that's exactly what God did for us. God has said, when you can't take care of them, I'll take care of them. And you know, here, here's, what's, here's the thing about a covenant. Normally in a covenant, what takes place is, is say, we got a farmer, uh, some, uh, a family of farmers over here. They can plant crops and they can grow food. And then you got a family over here of soldiers. They good at wielding swords, shields, and they can fight just about anybody. What would take place is the farmers would say, look, since you can't grow no crops, we're going to grow crops and feed you. We have this real bad problem with this enemy on the hill over here. Every time we get some crops grown, they want to come down here and take what we done growed. That's not very proper English, but 
You understand it, right? <laughs> so when they come down the hill trying to steal our food, you know what you get to do? See, in covenants, what happens is this family can do one thing better than this family, and this family can do something better than this family. But what is weird is how God made a covenant with us and we can't produce anything. You can't, we don't, we can't do anything. All we can say is, uh, I'm just part of the family. God made a covenant with us and there's nothing that we can do in the, and I say that, but listen to me. The Bible says when we worship God, that our worship is a sweet savor to his nostrils. And sometimes that might be all you can do. There's going to come times in your life that's, that's going to be all you can do is worship. But I'm going to tell you, when you learn to worship God, you'll, you'll bring the presence of God in your life in the times when you need him most. This morning we're talking about Mephibosheth, and I hope I say that right. Mephibosheth, uh, the, the, hold on, let me back up just a little bit. Jonathan and Saul, I mean, Jonathan and David made a covenant which made it, war, made it harder on Saul. Well, they became, they almost became enemies. Uh, they became, there was a civil war, basically a civil war, and David was on the opposite sides with Saul. But listen, Saul did, uh, David never lifted a hand against Saul. Number one is because he was the king. Number two is he knew that even though the people chose him, God had anointed him. And let me tell you, be careful what you say about God's anointed. Be careful how you treat God's anointed. We're going to look at a story of Mephibosheth this morning. This, this obscure character was about five years old. What I want to, first, what I want to do, I want to back up just a second. I want you to open your books, your Bibles, your books. Listen to me. Open your Bible this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I know, I tell you what, make it chapter 4, if you would. And I want to show you how this young man, where, where he, he first comes into play. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, Jonathan's son, jo- Jonathan, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. In the, in, when 
Eventually, in this civil war, Saul would be killed. Jonathan, his son, would be killed. When the news came to where Mephibosheth was, he was only five years old. Number one is Mephibosheth probably didn't even know who David was. But in the process, back then, when a king was killed and somebody knew was fixing to take the throne, the way things normally happen was they didn't let anybody in the family live. They would go through and find all the relatives of that king, and they would kill him. Because what, what they didn't want is somebody, some relative, some distant relative of that king coming up one day and trying to lay claim to the throne. But this young man makes it. The Bible says he was lame in his feet because the, the, the lady that was taking care of him, the, the servant that was taking care of him, she got in a hurry. She, she tried to get him up and get everything and get out of that. She was trying to get to safety because she knew that somebody was going to be coming to try to kill this child. In the process, either, I don't know, he was five years old. She might have picked him up and was running and fell with him or she picked him up and was running and dropped him. I don't have a clue. All I know is the Bible says he wound up, both his ankles were crushed, and he was lame. Because of a fall. We're all, all sinners are lame because of a fall. Because Adam and Eve, in the garden, disobeyed God, they fa- there was a fall. The ser- the Satan, however he talked them in to doing what they did, what, what, what brought it on like it came, Number one was pride. Number one was selfishness. Me and my wife was talking this weekend, and we was watching some babies playing. And she was like, they're, they're just selfish. Why, why? You know, why? Why, why? And I'm like, it's not just babies. It's me. It's you. And I know, you know, sometimes that's kind of hard to say. When I have to look and go, you know, (laughs) you are selfish. But it all goes back to the covenant thing I was talking about. Who would make a covenant with somebody and say, you know what? If anything happens to me, I'll, or you, I'll take care of your family. 
And if anything happens to me, you take care of my family. Nowadays, it's I, I, me, me. What relationships now are one sided. What is in it for me? You, when I look at, I look at people, I, I have a real bad habit of staring. <laughs> my, my wife, my wife, we'll be, we'll be <laughs> at Walmart or we'll be out somewhere and she'll be going, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> they see you looking at them. <laughs> And I don't know why I do that, but I study their behavior. I study the way they talk to one another. I look at the way they walk. <laughs> I look at the way they carry themselves. I look at the... I look at the clothes they wear. I look at the shoes on. I, if y'all don't know it, most of you, I, look, I have looked at your shoes. I don't know why I do this, but I, 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 it's from, and it, look, it ain't just shoes. I look top to bottom. Top to bottom. I study people, and I watch people. And people's attitudes now are, it's all about me. You can tell, and of course, that little funny walk I did is kind of goofy, but most people don't walk like that. Most people, you can, you can watch a person the way they walk and tell how they feel about themselves. You see people, they walk like this. You need to get some oomph in your step. And then there are people that walk like this. You, you know what I'm saying? And that might not be coming out their mouth, but they show sure telling you something. You know... I am so glad that God don't have the attitude or the mentality that it's all about Him. As a matter of fact, His attitude is just the opposite. Whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, His attitude is all about us. Everything that he's ever done is all because of you. I'm amazed. I need to get to my notes. So, David had... 
we're, we're looking back in, in the chapter of nine, in, in the in the chapter nine of Second Samuel. David has firmly taken control of the throne. He is now the king. Now he gets on the throne and he remembers a covenant that he made with a friend named Jonathan. And he calls he calls somebody from the family of Saul, a servant. His name is Ziba. Ziba, however you want to pronounce it, Z I B A. His name is Ziba, and he and Saul and uh, uh, David asked Ziba. He said, "Is there not anyone left from the house of Saul that I may show them the kindness of God for Jonathan's sake?" It's kind of weird that he puts that in there. He wants to show them the kindness. Show them kindness for Jonathan's sake. Not for Saul's sake. Not for David's sake. But for Jonathan's sake. Because of a covenant that he had made with him. As uh, the only... he uh, he's, Ziba, Ziba says that he's the only surviving son of Jonathan... And he said, well, where can I find, where can I find this Mephibosheth? And Ziba tells him he's in the house of Makir in the land. I was waiting for somebody to say it. Lodabar. Anybody know what the name Lodabar means? The name Lodabar, Lo means no. Dabar means bread. It also, in, in other derivatives, means pastures. No pastures. It's a barren land. It's a place of no bread. But at, when I was studying this and I got to looking, the house that he was in, the, the, the name of the guy of the house that he was staying in, because listen... Mephibosheth is lame. He can't just do for himself anymore. He, he has to depend on other people to help him. But this guy's house, his name is M-A-C-I-H, M-A-C-H-I-R, Makir. Makir. Not sure I'm pronouncing that right. You can study it. Do you know what his name means? Sold. S-O-L-D. Sold. He has been sold a bill of goods. He's been sold a lie. The enemy has told him, you know what? This is all you'll ever be. This is, this is the only place you'll ever be. No bread. No pastures. God don't care about you. If he did, you wouldn't be right here. How many people, how many Christians, 
Not just people that are lost. Because I'm telling you, if you're lost this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, guess where you at? You're in Lodabar. And you've been sold a lie. But what amazes me is how many Christians you will find right there. Because people, they they get saved and the devil tells them, that was just words. God don't care about you. God don't love you. This is where you're going to spend the rest of your life, right here. I got news for you this morning. The Bible says that, that this story says, David, David said, where's he at? Where's Mephibosheth at? Where can I find him? So he sends his servants, David sends his servants to Lodabar. And I can imagine what's going on in Mephibosheth's mind when the knock comes on the door and they say, we're from the king's house and we're looking for Mephibosheth. Y'all know who he's looking for, right? The servants say, we're looking for Mephibosheth. The king wants to see him. Well, I made the statement earlier, what happens to all of the, the prior king's relatives? What do they do to them? They kill them. I can imagine what's going through this young man's mind. They're here to kill me. But see, Mephibosheth was sought by the king, but not for bad It was only for good. See, David was fulfilling a promise that he had made to Jonathan. He said, he said, go get this young man. When Mephibosheth came into the, when when they brought him into the, to the palace where the king was, the Bible says he fell on his face, his face and says, he, he, David said, fear not. Don't be afraid. Because today, Mephibosheth, you are going to get back everything your grandfather owned. You know, I, I know this morning, this, ain't, this, this is not something that most of us are going to jump up and down about. But I'm telling you, listen, God said... When you come to him, he will restore everything that the enemy has ever taken from you. Not just taken from you, but taken from your family. I don't know about you, but that says, that says mighty things to me. Listen, we don't have to live in the land of Lodabar. We don't have to be despaired. Listen, we should wake up in the mornings with going... You know what, God? You saved me. And I got a reason to walk with my head up. I don't have to walk slumped over. I know where I used to be, but you sent, the, the, you sent your servant, the Holy Spirit, because that's what those servants represented, was the Holy Spirit of God came and brought, them out, brought him out of Lodabar. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is in you this morning, you're not in Lodabar no more. You need to quit listening to the enemy. You need to quit allowing him to to kick you and stomp you and keep you down. Because the Bible says that David gave gave Mephibosheth everything that Saul owned, 
his grandfather. And I don't know about y'all, but if you go back and you study that out, if you go back and you read what all he owned, I'm going to tell you what, you'd be surprised. Because, see, most people today, if they was in David's shoes, you know what they'd have done? Yeah, there's that scar where I made that blood covenant with Jonathan. But, you know, I don't even, I don't even think nobody's still alive. He could have brought him in and just killed him. Won't nobody. Nobody was around when I made that covenant with Jonathan. Who, who would have knew? Who, who, nobody knows. What a testimony. Listen. What I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is God loves us. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter where you're at. It don't matter where you've been. Listen, all it takes, the Bible says there's only one way to heaven. Did you know that? We all know that, right? I don't even have to say that. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. What he did at Calvary, listen, paid for it all. Your physical, your spiritual, your financial. Listen, there's nothing nothing that you can go through that Christ has not already paid for. All we got to do is put our trust in him. We got to have faith that what he said, what he said he did, that he did it. I look at, I look at people that say, you know what, I'm, I'm atheist. I don't believe in God. And I'm going, you know what, you got more faith than I do. Because I'm telling you, if you look around, if you look around at the earth and the sky, and the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and you see how this all operates, there's no way. There is no way. There is no possible way that this could happen, just happen. There's no way. You can go tell that lie to somebody else. After David finds him, he brings him to the palace, and the Bible says that he, that David restored everything back to Mephibosheth. He gave everything that Saul, his, his, that Jonathan, his father owned, Saul, his grandfather owned, and he restored it all back to him. Then he told Ziba, Ziba, Ziba. He told Ziba. He said. 
all of the slave, all of the servants, all of the servants that were servants to Saul, you're going to farm this land for him. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna till the ground, you're going to plant the crops, you're going to harvest the crops, and you're going to bring it to him. Can you imagine where he just come from? He come from a place where he was scratching to eat. He said, you're going to, you're, these servants, he's, these servants of Saul's are going to be his servant, and he's gonna, they're going to take care of you. And on top of that, he's going to eat at my table. And I'm going to get ahead of myself just a little bit, if that's okay. But I can see that table. This big table. And it's spread with this linen that goes to the floor. And there's food for days on this table. I can see somebody helping Mephibosheth to the table in the chair and he slides on to the table and here's my thoughts this this is how I'm thinking because I told you what's the first what, what, what do I do I look at people you know head feet when he's sitting at that table and he slid up to that table to eat you can't see his brokenness You can't see his lame feet. See, sitting at that table, he's just like you and I. Only God can do that for us. Because, I mean, you know, we all got our lameness. Yours might not be like mine. And mine's probably not like yours. But there are things that cause us to... that There's things in our lives that can drag us down. There's things in our lives that can cause us to stumble and fall. But when we put that, when we put that under the blood of Jesus, can't nobody see it. I know this message has not been that long. But I believe the Lord is speaking to our hearts this morning. First and foremost, I want to say, I want to, I want to make this statement. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. When you look at all the prophecies, 
that have been fulfilled, you know what the next one in line is, right? The rapture of the church. Listen, we need to be ready. If you have ever, if you have ever sought God, now is the time. I've been reading on up a little further than that about a king named Asa. And the Bible refers to him as a, as a man that done right in God's eyes. Do you know what it means for a man to do right in God's eyes? It's not how you live. It's not mistakes that you make. Because we're going to make them. Jeremy, we're human beings. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes. But see, mistakes ain't what makes you in God's eyes. Because see, God says when you ask for forgiveness, those things are covered by the blood of Jesus. You're washed clean. You're made white like snow. You stand before him with clean hands and a pure heart. You know what makes a man right before God? Is when you seek him. See, it's one thing to get saved and you, I'm good. I'm saved. Jesus saved me. Thank the Lord. But see, God's looking for somebody to seek him. Because the Bible says if you seek him, (laughs) guess what? You will find him. And let me tell you, that just like that song said, the more I seek him, the more you will find him. And when you find him, listen, you you can't help but love him. You can't help, you can't help, listen, the, the more I get in his presence, the more I want to be in his presence. And the more, it seems like the more I want to be in his presence, the more he opens my eyes, the more when I read, when I study, the more he shows me who he is. Because listen, when he shows me who he is, nobody else can compare. When I see, when you see God for who He is, I'm telling you, nothing else in this world is going to matter. Stand with me this morning. I should make you sit back down because it's still early. But you know what? The Word of God can do more in two minutes. I could keep you preach. I could preach to you all day, probably. But I can only go as far as I feel like God wants me to go. When I feel like it's, He's telling me enough, I got to stop. 